Everybody, this is your man L Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. We have a few things to go over, uh, pretty much a wrap up of, of everything that went on over the weekend. It is uh, the Monday night uh, when you're first listening to this, you know, probably Tuesday or whenever you finally get. Uh, in a hold of this, but tonight I'll be going over the uh, the sorry the NFL playoffs, of course, the NFC, of course, AFC divisional round. Uh, of course, I'll be going over some college basketball, some some nice action. We have a new top twenty-five to go over. Just kind of recapping the news of the weekend in that realm as well. I'll also be going over some NBA stuff as well, some news. We'll be talking about James Harden. He made his first appearance for the Nets over the course of the weekend. We're going to be going over the standings in the NBA as well. So uh, let's get right into it, of course, like I said, uh, with an NFL playoff recap. Of course, it was the divisional round this past weekend. Uh, we're going to start off in the NFC, of course, on Saturday uh, with the Packers getting it done against the Rams, 32-18. to In that game, uh, Jared Goff will go 21-27 for 174 yards. He would throw a touchdown. Cam Akers would lead the way on the ground with nine. Uh, rushing yards. Wide receiver uh, Josh Reynolds would have um, three catches for 65 yards. Wide receiver Van Jefferson would have a receiving touchdown. And defensively, John Johnson uh, would have nine total tackles. Uh, for the Packers, of course, Aaron Rodgers would have a really brilliant game. Well, really decent game. 23 of 36, tw- uh, 296 yards, two touchdowns. He would have a touchdown on the ground. Aaron Jones would have 99 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Alan Lazard, excuse me, would be the team's leading receiver. Four catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams would get a, a receiving touchdown as well. Linebacker Chris Barnes had 10 total tackles. Linebacker Rashawn Gary and defensive tackle Kenny Clark would have a sack as well. A couple takeaways from this game. Um, you know, just for what it's worth, Jared Goff just does not get it done in the clutch time. Um, again, no major interceptions. Uh but 174 yards, 20 to 27 passing. I will give him, you know, some accuracy points there. But I, for some reason, they're not. For whatever reason, he he just this offense just does not seem to just inspire anything. I mean, 18 points in a divisional round game. You know, there's a lot to be desired from this offense. It's it's, it's all I can say. Van Jefferson, uh, outside of the receiving touchdown, you know, wasn't there. Robert Woods, you know. He's usually given the nod as the best receiver on that team. Really a non-factor. You know, there's no tight end to speak of on that squad that really stands out, that really puts fear in anyone in the league. Um, Cam Anchors, 90 yards on the ground, almost 100 yards. Great. Uh, But again, no, um, you know, it's it's either him or Daryl Henderson or maybe Malcolm Brown, I believe. You know, nothing... You know, again, this offense is for some reason. Sean McVay was just a brilliant guy a couple years ago. I know there's people that, that love him to death. There's going to be some positive things that are going to be said about him in other places. But um, 
I'm starting to see like there's some some luster wearing off here. I'm not I'm not seeing where he was all where he's all this uh, great offensive mastermind. Again, the Packers. Um, I'm not saying they had the best defense uh, that's coming into the playoffs, but it, I mean I'm not gonna say they had the worst defense coming into the playoffs, but they didn't have the best either. But uh, to put just put up 18 points again. Uh, we've seen this same show with Jared Goff again. 20 or 27, under 200 yards passing in the playoff game, just one touchdown. I don't, I don't, again, a lot of people are going to say, yeah, you know, a lot of money is being placed on Jalen Ramsey. A lot of money is being placed on Aaron Donald. They don't have a whole lot. But again, they have a really solid defense um, on all three levels. Um, it's offensively. Again, they only put up 18 points. And the mind you, the Packers do not have the greatest of defenses in the world. But, um, Oh, for one, I will tell you this: no offensive line for the for the Rams whatsoever. And again, it affects both sides of the ball. Again, 174 174 passing yards in a playoff game like this, I just think there's, that that leaves a whole lot more to be desired. Um, just one touchdown from Jared Goff. I'm not. I'm not impressed. I honestly think the man is a bust. I'm not going to go out as far and, and say uh, Sean McVay is overrated, but I would definitely say, you know, five years or four years into this Jared Goff experiment, definitely been a bust in my opinion. Moving on to the AFC, uh, the Bills get the upset of the Ravens, 17-3, to although I'm not going to say it's really an upset. I thought the teams were both evenly matched coming into this game. So, for me, it's not really an upset. I just thought the Bills got, uh, well, handled their job. Uh, for the Ravens, Lamar would go 14-24, uh, 162 yards and a touchdown. Is there starting to become a plateau for him? Possibly. Um, and it's a little bit frustrating because I actually like this guy. I've always liked this guy as a quarterback. I've been one of his main, uh, you know, people in his corner i'm not saying i'm not gonna say i'm the only person in this corner but you know i'm definitely you know one of the louder people that at least the ones that i know that are like hey man he's a decent quarterback give him a chance give him a chance uh but just 14 to 24 like i said with the interception you know he got knocked out with a concussion a little bit disappointing of course and so the question is you know what else can they do to remedy this uh, of course there's a lot of you know there's a lot of running that this team does they pound the ball they got two or three different running backs uh, they just recently released uh, Mark Ingram uh, just to kind of let you know where they're at uh, in terms of that so they, they have a really deep running back core uh, of course Lamar Jackson has his ability to run as well so they do run the ball a lot um, the question is you know do they have any receivers to stretch the ball out? Uh, we I've, I've recently heard recently uh, sorry come across an article with Marquise Brown, uh, their top receiver, trying to you know well you know explaining his frustration in terms of just how one dimensional this offense has become. Is it play calling? Is it Lamar not being able to you know test the field or you know uh, throw the ball down the field with his arm? Again, I don't think he needs to be necessarily a quarterback that throws the ball down the field. So I mean, he, I can, I can very well see him being more of a spread quarterback. I mean, he could definitely be mobile, but um, instead of just throwing it, you know, super far down the field, you know, 20, 20 plus yards, you know, ten, fifteen, you know, go, hit, go routes, hitch routes, you know, shorter routes, you know, intermediate routes, uh, slanting route, more slanting routes. 
Um, I think there's a way that you can make it work and give him the right personnel for him to be more successful. I totally uh, do think that he does lack a, a really prominent receiver in that offense. Uh, Marquise Brown is is good, but maybe uh, you know in terms of maybe getting a slot or a number two receiver behind him. Um, I will give him. I mean, I'm just saying. Um, not to take anything away from Marquise, but he's still, you know, evolving and still growing. And he's dealing with a young quarterback as well. So their development is kind of tied to each other. Um, but I definitely think, you know, I think they can run the ball really, really well. Um, I just think the issue now is being able to pass the ball too and giving, give these teams a little bit something extra to look at. Um, and again, Lamar does not need to be throwing a ball down the field. He can just, you know, you know, spread it out to multiple receivers and tight ends and even running backs. Instead of it being a power offense, maybe it could be more of a spread offense that emphasizes speed and technique and finesse as opposed to running it up the gut 20, 30 times with two or three different running backs and then trying to run it with Lamar as well. I think there's a lot more, I mean, there's a lot, you know, a lot more that could be done play calling wise for Lamar as well. So it's not just his fault. Uh, but for the Bills, Josh Allen will go 23, uh, sorry, sorry, 23 or 37, 286 yards and a touchdown. Devin Singletary would have 25 rushing yards. Again, uh, one knock that I do have on the Bills is their running game is not there. Um, virtually non-existent. Stephen Diggs would have eight receptions for 106 yards and a touchdown. And uh, linebacker Tremaine Edmonds would be the team's leading tackler. He would have eight. Defensive back Teron Johnson would have five total tackles interception, and an interception return for a touchdown. And linebacker Jerry Hughes would have two sacks. So defensively, uh, the Bills got after the quarterback. Of course, they forced turnovers. Um, and again, they made plays, and uh, it made it easier for their offense. Of course, with jo you know Josh Allen um, being able to do his thing. Now again, has Josh Allen developed in ways possibly that Lamar Jackson hasn't in his time? Yes, but he does have a Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is you know more help in my opinion than Marquise Brown is going to be. Marquise Brown is still young. He's still mature. You, you already got an all-pro receiver, uh, and that being with Josh Allen. And he has a decent receiving crew, you know, next to just Stephon Diggs. He has Cole Beasley there. Um, you go to Baltimore, who do you really have outside of Marquise Brown? Maybe Mark Andrews. Uh, you might want to look. You might can look at Willie Sneed. You know, it's a difference. It's a difference. Uh, but let's move on to Sunday's action. Of course, uh, it all started off in the AFC with the Chiefs getting it done uh, against the Browns. 22 to 27 was the final score here. For the Browns, Baker Mayfield will go 23 to 37. Mighty funny how those numbers are the same mm. as uh, Josh Allen. I'm just looking at it right now. Uh, 204 yards from him. A touchdown and an INT. Kareem Hunt would have a rushing touchdown. Nick Chubb would be the team's leading rusher. He would have 69 rushing yards. Uh, wide receiver Rashard Higgins would have five uh, five catches for 86 yards. And Jarvis Landry would catch a touchdown. And, uh, well, sorry, catch a touchdown pass. And safety Carl Joseph would have four total tackles and an interception for the Browns. And for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes would go 21 30 for 250, sorry, 255 yards. He would throw a touchdown. He would run for a touchdown. However, he would suffer a concussion during the game as well. Um, and Chad Henney, the backup, you know, never played in the playoff game his whole entire career. 
uh, pretty much took them throughout the way, finished the way for them. No interceptions. I believe he threw a touchdown. Um, I believe he went like six of eight, 66 yards, something like that. So not too bad. Again, you know, in spot duty. Uh, but with that being said, uh, Patrick Mahomes is in concussion protocol. Uh, there is no guarantee that he plays uh, this week. It's just a little bit unfortunate, and it's just weird how uh, Pat and uh, Lamar, actually Patrick, excuse me, because if you ask his mama, don't call Patrick Pat. That gets on his Mrs. Mahomes' nerves. Sorry, Mrs. Mahomes. Patrick, okay, I'm going to respect your son's name. But it's kind of weird how Patrick and Lamar get both suffer concussions. I just think that's really weird, a day after each other. Um, again, He's in the concussion protocol right now. It's not 100% that he plays, but I would say 95% likely he does. But again, sometimes they will pull you if, you're, if your head isn't right. That's just the way it is in this day and age. Uh, running back Darrell Williams would have 78 rushing yards. T uh, Tyreek Hill would be the team's leading receiver. He would have eight catches and 110 yards. Um, the best tight end in the league, in my opinion, Travis Kelsey, of course. I got, you know, Waller right next to him. Uh, Ashley Tunyon is is man out there in, in Green Bay is is in that top three as well. But Travis Kelsey uh, did it came up big in this game. Eight catches as well from him. 109 yards. He will get the touchdown. Uh, defensively, the Chiefs were helped out by Tyron Matthew. Seven total tackles from him and an INT and safety Legereus Sneed would have six total tackles and a uh, and a sack. Let's move on to the old man ball. Of course, Grandpa Breeze versus Grandpa Brady. Grandpa. Brady gets the win in this one, thirty to twenty. Yes. Uh, speaking of Grandpa, Gr Grandpa Brady, he would go eighteen to thirty-three, one hundred and ninety-nine yards, two touchdowns uh, through the air, and, a, and one rushing touchdown. Of course, all the old heads. I'm pretty sure they like this game. This is a this is a chance to signal to the younger guys. Hey, look at the, look at these forty-five-year-olds. Yeah, look at these guys competing at the highest level. I know, guys. I know the older guys love this one. The OGs was loving this one. Um, Leonard Fournette, 63 yards on the ground. He would have a receiving touchdown. Um, definitely, you know, for what it's worth, um, I've heard a lot about him in the offseason, good and bad. Definitely set this game up this year, that being Leonard Fournette. Um, good up on him, you know, kind of turning the, the negativity around and showing up in a playoff game like this. Um, a receiving touchdown It's a big thing from a running back, especially a power back. But, um... Good luck. I mean, because a lot of people have, you know, s you know, said some negative things about, you know, just his commitment to the game. Um, just a very, you know, array of other things. So I, I just wanted to give my shout outs to him for just keeping it going, keeping it pushing and uh, not letting that get to him and still, you know, accomplishing his dreams and, you know, performing well. Again, I got to give him uh, Leonard Fournette. Big props to you, big bro. Big, big props to you, bro. Um at the tight end spot, we had Cameron Brady. He was a leading receiver. He would have four catches and 50 yards. Mike Evans would have a receiving touchdown. Uh, Devin White, just all over the place at the linebacker spot, 11 total tackles from him. He would have an interception. And defensive back Sean Bunting would have five total tackles and an interception for the Bucks. Uh For the Saints, uh, Drew Brees in his what could be his last hurrah it would go 19-34. 134 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would have three picks and just... Did not look to be his best, and um, I would not be surprised if this was the end. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think uh, Ben Roethlisberger is done. I think uh, Rivers is done. Um, I think if Brady would have lost, he probably would have given it. I mean, I, I think he, 
especially if he wins, he's probably going to keep it going maybe another two, possibly three. I think if he gets blown out really bad in the Super Bowl, you might even see him retire, though, just to be honest with you. I mean, how much more do these guys really have? I think Brady probably has the most, but, you know, again, if, if he gets blown out, do you, would you, like, let's say, for instance, he gets blown out next week versus Green Bay. Do you really see him come back? Like, if he threw, like, these interceptions like Breeze, you know, I don't know. Maybe he does. I don't think Breeze comes back, especially with the performance we've seen and just with him in the playoffs in general. You know, it's a sad day to see because he's just a soul. He's just a good guy. You know, you don't want to, you know, wish negative on him. And he's had a decent career for what it's Well, he has a good, he's had a good career for what it's worth. He's definitely getting a gold jacket. He's going to the Hall of Fame, y'all. Uh, you know, unless you a hater, he's definitely going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, but just, you know, not his best performance. And I would not, again, I would not be surprised if him, Rivers, and Roethlisberger do, do not suit up uh, coming into next season. Do not be surprised. You heard it here first. Tom Brady, I'll give him two, two, maybe three. I just think he just got it. He just... As much as I don't want to, and again, I'm, I give him an asterisk sometimes only because of the, the snow game with the Raiders and the tuck rule. So I'll give him that one asterisk. For, but for the most part, you know, he does what it does. Um, <laughs> I could get in here. I can, you know, go on and on about, you know, conspiracy theories about sports because there's a lot of guys that'll, that'll bog you down with all that and how, you know, they're trying to to manipulate this in football and how, you know, Brady is manufactured. I've done that before. I went down that route. I'm too old for that, okay? I'm going by what's in front of me. Again, if y'all want to hear that, if you want to hear some of my more deeper takes on him or, you know, anything, let me know. But for right now, look, he's doing what he can do. And as far as I know, from what I feel from him, um, despite what I might feel about him playing or how, how good I think he may be. Cause I don't think he's going to be all that great, but I at least, you know, give him, you know, the benefit of the doubt of he wants to play and he looks to be in the best shape of the rest of these guys mentally and physically. I mean, mentally is the biggest thing. And I think mentally he wants to do it. He can still anything for what it's worth. He still got it in some ways or whatever, but for the saints, let's talk more about the saints. Let's wrap this up. Uh, Alvin Kamara would have 85 rushing yards. Traquan Smith uh, was in his first game back from injury. He would have three catches for 85 yards and two touchdowns. Sorry, just one touchdown. Sorry, take that back. And uh, linebacker Demario Davis would have nine total tackles and a sack. So there you go with the divisional round uh, for the championship round. With set up is going to be the Bills taking on the Chiefs, of course, and then the Bucks taking on the Packers. We will be breaking those games down a little bit later on in this week, but. Uh, I mean, nah, I'm not I'm not talking about no favorites right now. I don't, I'm not picking nobody just yet. I don't know nothing. Don't ask me. Sorry. But let's talk a little about some news before I let y'all go for this football stuff, okay? Of course, we are in the midst of the coaching carousel for some of these teams. Of course, the team's not in the playoffs. Uh, the first thing they do is hire themselves a new coach, so maybe they can get into the playoffs. Uh, but we're going to talk about a few teams that have made some uh, adjustments at that department. Starting off with the Atlanta Falcons, they recently hired Arthur Smith. He was the former offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Tennessee will finish 11-5 and this year with a wild 
wild card berth. Of course, they would lose that to the Bills. Uh, actually, to the Ravens, excuse me. The Titans were fourth in scoring with about 30 points per game. They were second in total offense. Uh, also second, I believe, in rushing. Oh, of course, second in rushing offense as well. They had King Henry there. Now, uh, Tennessee was also second in Renz, uh, sorry red zone conversions. So uh, pretty much when they were in the red zone, 10 yards or less, of course, we already know what that means. Uh, they would score a touchdown or a field goal 75% of the time. So they could score. They moved the ball pretty well on the ground. Of course, Ryan Tannehill did not look, has not looked super bad either in the past couple of years. And uh, Tennessee score, scored a lot of points. And I think that's where, I guess that's where Atlanta wants to go in, you know, more of a direction of now because of, of course, they had Dan Quinn for so long, defensive minded. That really didn't get him nowhere. I think a few years back when they went to the Super Bowl, they had that major success. They had, you know, Shanahan running that offense. Uh, you know, so I guess they figured if they go more offensive, that might lead to some more success for them. But um, I think there's some more issues in Atlanta as well. So we'll have to figure out. We'll have to see what happens with them. Uh, for Jacksonville, uh, they went ahead and hired Urban Meyer. Of course, he is a retired coach from co the college side of things. Now, uh, for Jacksonville, they will go 2-14 last season. Uh, they will be picking up the first pick of the draft. So that means Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, whoever they decide they need to, you know, to pick up there. Um GM Dave Call, sorry, GM, their GM Dave Caldwell was also let go, so they're gonna need a GM as well. Urban Meyer, like I said, he's from the NCAA ranks. Uh, his career, uh, he has a career record in college that is of 187 and 22 over 17 seasons. Uh, he would make stops at Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, and Ohio State. He's won pretty much at all, at all those schools, uh, whether it be conference tournaments, uh, conference championships, uh, ball games, national championships. He's won three of those national championships, two at Florida. He also won one at, one at Ohio State at the expense of Mount Oregon Ducks. Um, he, however, he has zero pro coaching experience. So, um, again, you're going to hear a lot of people talking about the Rooney Rule. excuse me. And uh, for those of you who are not in the know about that, the Rooney Rule is pretty much um, affirmative action in the NFL. Um, it's a little bit complicated about how they do it. I can't get into all that explanation right now. Uh, you'll hear some people talking about that, about how, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't do that. They avoided that. They just got, they just picked up this coach. Um, again, and I feel, uh, like I feel about anything else. Uh, like I, I've said my feelings about, you know, the Rooney rule before and black coaches before I feel like just like with anybody else, I got to earn that spot. We've seen plenty of black coaches, you know, in the NFL recently, uh, they're in the ranks. We'll look at, you know, the head coach of, uh, LA, the Chargers right now. Uh, he recently got let go. If you look at their record, you know, even before Herbert, you know, it has not been that good. He's had his chance. Um, personally, to be honest with you, if I'm a GM, I, I would not be looking at race at all. I'd be looking at record. Um, and personally, for me, if I was a GM, I'd want my coach, my next coach that I want to you know hire to to be winning at least 50% uh, of his games or more. For one, um, you know, you got to be a decent coach um, on the level of the NFL. You have to have some NFL experience as well. Uh, so, again, I probably wouldn't went with Urban Meyer. Who's to say that I would have went with some other person? I don't know. Uh, but definitely, I probably wouldn't have went with Urban Meyer. But it wouldn't have been because of the Rooney rule. It would have been because he has no experience on the pro level, uh, personally. If I'm playing fantasy GM right now, I wouldn't take that chance. I think um, 
there's only been one successful college coach, um, and that was Jimmy Johnson. And I think a lot of that has to do with him. Uh, for one, he went to he went to Dallas, um, and he had uh, he had the blessing of having Michael Irvin there. And Michael Irvin, for those of you who do not know, is a Miami alum. And not only is he alum, he was a player under Coach Johnson at Miami. They won a championship there. Okay, so um, Urban Meyer, I don't think he's going to be facing that situation in Jacksonville. I don't know if any of his alumni are there. Uh, maybe his Ohio State guys might be there. He was coaching maybe at the very least three years ago, max, maybe a little bit you know, longer than that. Um, so, um, again, unless he puts some NFL guys around him that know what he's doing, know what they're doing, I'm not. I'm not buying into this right away. <laughs> but um, let's move on to the Jets. Uh, they hired Robert Sala. He is the former uh, defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Uh, the nine, uh, sorry, the Jets will go nine to uh, nine to twenty-three in just two seasons under Adam Gase. He's a trash bag coach, uh, and he looks like a fucking junkie. I'm sorry. Uh, I've said my. I've had. I've shared my thoughts about him before. I would not want my son to be drafted by him. Uh, if he was a college coach, I would not want my son to be recruited by him. No, I don't. I don't. Something about that guy. He's weird. Look at that. Look at his head. Look at his. You ever seen his eyes? Don't he look like he does like meth or speed or something? I'm sorry. I don't mean. I'm sorry to make them judgments like that. But Adam Gase. No go. Uh, Salah will coach San Francisco's defense to top ten finishes in uh, in terms of well in, against the rush, the pass, and also they had great third down and red zone efficiency. They finished in the top ten in there as well. Um, and he had a ringing recommendation from defensive back Richard Sherman, uh, who pretty much you know said he was you know the factor of you know pretty much their success. Uh, they had multiple injuries if you you know again i'm paraphrasing from what he had to say uh they had multiple injuries uh multiple things going wrong with that team but he made them show up every week and they performed as well as they could so i think that's a good you know pickup by the jets of course they're gonna have to put the personnel around him for him to be successful uh but i think of all the coaching hires that i've seen so far i think that's the smartest one all right y'all i'll be back i'm gonna take a quick break and then we'll be jumping into some basketball Let's start off with some college basketball first. Uh, go over from the action over the weekend. Of course, we'll be going over the top 25 in terms of the rankings. And we have some news to go over there as well. So I'll be right back, y'all. All right, y'all, let's get into it. We're going to start off, like I said, with some college basketball. Uh, let's talk about, well, let's recap what happened over the weekend. Uh, starting with Saturday, we had a lot of uh, top 25 action, uh, some Big Ten rivalries. Uh, we're going to start off with Ohio State getting it done with, uh, against Illinois, 87-81. to 81. Ohio State moves to 11-3 and three on the year. Uh, Illinois uh, moves to 9-5. and five. We do have an upset to talk about, of uh, course, from the Big Ten. Uh, number 23, Minnesota, gets it done against uh, Michigan, uh, who's ranked number 7. Uh, 
Uh, actually, Minnesota has gone up in the rankings. We're going to talk about those rankings in just a little bit. Of course, Michigan uh, gone, has gone down since that game. 75-57 uh, to 57 was the final score for Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota is now 11-4. and four. Uh, For Michigan, that was their first loss of the season. Uh, neither team will shoot really well from outside. Both will shoot under 30%. Uh, Michigan will also sh uh, struggle from the free throw line, just making half of their shots, 7-14. Uh, uh, sorry, Minnesota will end up forcing 12 steals and 19 turnovers so that was pretty much one of the biggest factors um, in their and in their turnaround win uh, because they did face Michigan a couple weeks beforehand and they did take a L from there but uh, they were able to turn it around uh, they even the season, uh, the season series uh, let's break it down in terms of scoring uh, guard Sandy Brown would, be, uh, would lead the way for the Wolverines 14 points from him he would have three rebounds Forward Isaiah Livers would have 11 points, uh, uh, sorry, nine rebounds and two assists. And for me, uh, for Minnesota, they were led by center Liam Robbins. He would have 22 points and eight rebounds. Uh, he also got guard uh, Marcus Carr getting 17 points. He would also have six assists and also five rebounds. Uh, like I said, we had some more upsets on Saturday. Uh, we had number eight Creighton going down to Butler, 70 to 66 was the final score in overtime. Uh, Creighton is now 10 and three. Of course. They've definitely dropped down since the rankings since then. And for Butler, they are 4-7. and seven. For Creighton, Denzel Mahoney will lead the way with 29 points, 7 assists, and two, uh, sorry, 7 rebounds and 2 assists. And forward, Damian Jefferson would have 12 points and 3 rebounds. So you can see kind of just how everything dropped off for Creighton right after Mahoney. Mahoney. Uh, but for Butler, they were led by guard Aaron Thompson. He would have 17 points, 6 assists, and 2 rebounds. And guard, um, guard Miles Tate and Bryce uh, Bryce and Zay would have 14, uh, sorry, 15 points. Uh, Miles Tate would have 10 rebounds and 2 assists to his totals. And uh, Zay would have uh, nine rebounds for Butler. Um, they would force 13 turnovers and keep Creighton to just 46% field goal, which is average. Uh, but again, that drastically went down in the second half. Uh, and also, uh, Creighton would just go 26% from three. They would also be down by 13 points. This being uh, Butler, uh, they would be down by 13 points after giving up a 26 to 13 one with just eight minutes left. So again, Creighton just kind of fell off and just could not, you know just put the ball in the hoop when they counted uh, as the game started to go on. The last couple of minutes of, game, of the game went on, and Butler uh, just snatched it in the last couple of minutes of regulation, and they took it in overtime. All right, y'all. So we got some action on Sunday as well. Um, Louis, uh, sorry, some more Big Ten action with Iowa. Uh, they will get it done against Northwestern. Uh, we also got number 11, Houston, getting it done against UC, uh, UCF in easy fashion. Uh, sorry, 75 to 58 was the final score. Houston is 11-1. UCF is 3-5. In that game, forward Jamil Reynolds will lead the way for UCF. Uh, he would have 14 points and 4 rebounds. Uh, guards Dre Fuller Jr. and Darren Green Jr. will both have 12 points. And for Houston, uh, we got guard Quentin Grimes. He got 13 points and 3 rebounds. Uh, he'd also have a couple assists. Forward Justin Graham would have 15 points and 9 rebounds. And uh, moving on, we do have some ACC action to cap off the weekend. Number 20 Virginia Tech gets it done against Wake Forest, 60 to sorry 64 to 60. Um, so for Virginia Tech, they are 11 and 22, and for Wake Forest, they are three and five. Uh, for Virginia Tech, they were led by guard Tyrese Radford, 20 points from him, uh, four rebounds and two assists. 
forward David Ngesson and also guard sorry guard Hunter Cantor we both have 13 points and for Wake Forest forward Ismael Masood would have 12 points and four rebounds and guard Davian Williamson would have 11 points two assists and two rebounds uh let's move on to uh the conference standings let's talk about that just a little bit uh, we had, like I said, we had a lot of conference games uh, going on in the weekend. Uh, we have a couple to go over tonight as well, from tonight as well. Uh, but just give me a couple minutes. We're gonna go over the conference standings real quick, just so we get an idea of the who's who. Uh, let's start off with the West Coast Conference. Of course, uh, this is where Gonzaga, BYU is at. Uh, let's break it down real quick. In the West Coast Conference, of course, Gonzaga is on top with a five and zero conference record. Of course, they are fourteen and zero overall. Up next, we have Pacific at two and zero in conference play, five. One overall. Up next, we have BYU, who is two and one, uh, also eleven and three overall. They have two wins in a row, uh, including a seventy-two to sixty-three win over San Francisco. Uh, they are currently fifth in the conference in field goal percentage, just a little bit over fifty percent, and they are also third in total rebounds. They are seventh in the conference in scoring. Uh, they are led by senior guard Alex Barcelo. Uh, he's averaging sixteen points a game, four and a half assists, and also uh, just about a little bit over four. Uh, assists as well a game. Up next we have San Francisco, just three and three in conference play. Up next we have Santa Clara, Loyola, Marymount, excuse me, out there in L.A. and also Pepperdine uh, near the L.A. area, out there in the Southern Coast. Uh, they're all one and one in conference play. For Santa Clara, they are seven and three overall. Loyola, Marymount is uh, six and four, and Pepperdine is five and six. Uh, rounding out the bottom parts of this conference here, we have San Diego, who is zero and one. Uh, Saint Mary's is still winning. List three losses in conference play in Portland with four losses in conference play and no wins uh, rounds it out. But let's go to the Pac-12, uh, another Power Five conference. UCLA is on top of that conference, seven and zero in conference play, eleven and two overall. They are currently riding a six-game winning streak. Uh, they are second in the conference in scoring, uh, seventy-seven point uh, seventy-seven points per game, a little bit over that. Uh, they also give up about 66.7 points a game. They are 30th in the country in offensive efficiency. Uh, 112.6 is their rating there. They're also first in the conference in three-point percentage shooting above 44%. And they are also second in the conference as in assists. Uh, moving on to their cross-town cross -town rivals, excuse me, uh, the UC USC Trojans. Uh, they are 5-1 in conference play, 11-2 overall as well. Uh, they are also coming off six straight wins. Uh, up next we have Oregon. They are definitely the top 10, well, the top 25 team. Uh, the second top 25 team with UCLA just being added to this week's rankings. Of course, we'll be going over that in just a little bit. Oregon is 4-1 in Pac-12 play and 9-2 and overall. Up next we have uh, Colorado. 4-1 in conference play as well. Uh, one of their wins is coming over my Ducks as well. Uh, four straight wins. Uh, Part of that winning streak, like I said, was against Oregon. Uh, they are 1-1 one one versus the top 25. Their last game uh, was a win against Stanford, 77-64. Uh, they would go on a 16-3 run to close out the first half in that game. And they would also uh, finish the game, scoring their final 11 points of the game. Uh, after starting 1-for-7-3 of three in that game, the Buffaloes would eventually go 7-of-10. So again, they might start off cold in some games, but eventually... They know how to get it going. Uh, now, over the course of their four-game winning streak, the Buffaloes have jumped out to quick, 
easy scoring runs against Oregon. Uh, in the second half, they started off with a 14-2 run. In Monday's last Monday's game versus Utah, they will begin the second half with scoring 15 straight points. Uh, they will also finish the second, the first half, excuse me, of that Cal game later on that week uh, on a 23-5 run. So once they get going, uh, they have a tendency to stretch out their lead if they're already in the lead. Uh, if they're behind, uh, they'll catch up. So no lead is safe, and if they're you know already kind of in the lead on you, if they start to get going, uh, they can blow you out. So be careful with Buffalo, uh, with the Buffaloes uh, coming into tournament time. I like a team like that. They kind of start off kind of slow, but they could pick it up. And once they start going, they don't really miss. I like that. Uh, up next, we have Arizona and Stanford. They are both tied in the conference at four and three. Uh, they uh, respectively, Arizona is ten and three overall, and Stanford is eight and five. Uh, we also got Oregon State, who is two and three in conference play. Washington State, who is two and four. Uh, we have Utah here at two and five. Cal is two and six and seven and eight overall. And at the bottom, we have Arizona State, who is one and three and four and six overall. And Washington, the only winless team in the conference, they are also one and eleven overall. Let's move on to the Southeastern Conference where we have Alabama. Uh, they are on top of the conference. Uh, usually this is a football school. Uh, this year their basketball team is showing its grit and showing their teeth. 6-0 overall in conference play. They are 11-3 overall. They are riding a seven-game winning streak. They are also 1-1 versus the top 25. Uh, that includes a loss 56-64 at Clemson, uh, but a win on the road at number 10 Tennessee. Of course, with the new rankings, Tennessee I don't believe is number 10 anymore but we'll have to see uh 76 to 63 was a final score at tennessee though their worst loss though uh was a 73 to 71 loss at home versus western kentucky uh, they are first in the SEC in points per game, over 83 points uh, per game. Uh, they are also sixth in field goal percentage at 43%. Uh, they are second in the conference in rebounding. Uh, they are also they also lead the conference though in offensive rebounds with 14. They are also first in the SEC in steals. Uh, moving on, we have. Um, LSU, they are five and one in conference play. Two, ten, sorry, ten and two overall. Uh, up next, we have Tennessee, four and one in conference play. Mississippi State is four and two. Up next, we have Kentucky. They are three and two. Uh, Florida is at five hundred, three and three in conference play, six and four overall. Up next, we have Missouri, another team in the top twenty-five. However, they are two and two in conference play. Up next, we have South Carolina, one and one. They are three and three. In, Three and three overall. Uh, up next, we have Arkansas, ten and four overall, but they are two and four in conference play. So all their losses have come within this conference. They are also suffering from back-to-back -back losses. Uh, one of them being last Friday to Alabama, ninety to fifty-nine. They were blown out forty-two to nineteen in the second half and only shot thirty-three percent from the field in that game and twenty-three percent from three. They also got blown out by LSU last Wednesday as well, ninety-two to seventy-six. They were outscored fifty-one to thirty one in the first half of course they would shoot below well shoot uh below 35 percent in that game as well they have a point differential of 1.6 uh they score 82 points per game 82.8 points per game uh they give up 81.2 points a game of course this is all in conference play so again it's been a struggle for the Razorbacks to say the least uh running out the bottom here in the SEC, we have uh, Texas A&M and Auburn both tied at two and four. Uh, we have Georgia and Ole Miss also tied at one and four, and of course Vanderbilt is winless zero and four. I don't know why I said of course, like we all know that Vanderbilt is garbage, but 
they're not that good. Uh, moving on to the Big 12, we have Baylor. Uh, they got a win tonight against Kansas. We will break that down in just a little bit. Uh, but they are 6-0 and in the conference play. Uh, they are 12-0 and overall. Sorry, excuse me, 13-0 and overall. Texas is 5-1 and in conference play, 11-2 and overall. Another ranked team here. Uh, Kansas, another ranked team uh, from the Big 10 as well. They are 4-3 and in conference play, however, all three of their losses overall coming from their conference. Uh, they are four and three, like I said, in conference play, ten and three overall. Up next, we have Georgia Tech, who is four and two. Uh, we also have Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, who are both tied at five hundred three and three overall, uh, three and three in conference play. Uh, Oklahoma is seven and four overall, and their last game was a W, eighty two to forty six. That was against. TCU. Um, in that game, their guards were extremely active. Uh, Devian Harmon would have 19 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. Austin Reeves would have 14 points, 6 assists, and 3 rebounds. And guard Umoja Gibson would have 11 points, 3 assists, and 2 rebounds. Uh, their rivalry uh, with Oklahoma State a.k.a. Bedlam, has been recently postponed due to COVID. Uh, however, I do believe they will be in action. At some point this week, they will be facing, um, if I'm not mistaken, oh, actually that, that game against tom uh, tomorrow or uh, Wednesday, I believe they have a game Wednesday, I believe, against Kansas State. That's up in the air as well. Uh, so I'll have to check back in what happens there. But uh, they are on the bubble uh, in terms of the, the NCAA tournament. Uh, they currently, like I said, they have a seven and four record right now. On the bubble means they may make it in. As of today, uh, they may make it in, or they may not. Like if the if the season were to end right now, uh, they'd be up in the air. So they have a full season to kind of they have the rest of the season to kind of play the play you know play itself out. But they're currently one and one and three versus the top twenty five, uh, but they are second in the Big Ten in points allowed, uh, only giving up sixty seven points per game, um, and they are tied. Uh, well, I sorry, they are tied for the conference lead, I believe, in field goal percentage. There you go. Uh, up next, we have West Virginia. They are two and three in conference play. We have TCU, who is two and four in conference play, but nine and five overall. And Kansas State, one and five in conference play. And then at the bottom, we have Iowa State at. 0-5 in conference play. Let's move on to the Big Ten. We got Michigan, of course. They suffered their first loss of the season, of course, against Minnesota. They are 6-1 in conference play, 11-1 overall. Iowa is 6-1 in conference play as well, but they are 12-2 overall. Wisconsin, uh, all three of these teams right here are all in the top 25, as well as Ohio State, I believe, Illinois is still in there as well. So the Big Ten is probably the, the best conference so far in college basketball this season. But back to Wisconsin, they are 5-2 in conference play, 11-3 overall. Ohio State is 5-3 in conference play. And then we also have Illinois here, 5-3 uh, in conference play, 9-5 overall. Uh, they are suffering back-to-back. -back. They suffered back-to-back -back losses last week, though, 66-63. At Maryland, we also talked about the 81-87 loss to, to Ohio State. They're currently 2-4 versus the top 25. They are second in the Big Ten in scoring, though, almost 80 points a game. They are also six in points allowed. They give up about 70 and a half. Uh, and they are second in field goal percentage in the conference, almost 50% there. And they are um, second in three-point percentage as well at 38%. Uh, moving on from them, we have Purdue at 4-3. They are 9-5 overall. Minnesota is four and four overall uh, in the conference. Indiana is three and four 
in the conference. With Rutgers is three and five, as well as Northwestern. Uh, and at the bottom, we have Michigan State here at two and four, a struggle for them. Maryland is two and five in conference play, struggling as well. Uh, we have Penn State and Nebraska, both winless in conference play. Uh, Penn State is zero and three. Nebraska is zero and five. Penn State is three and four overall, and in Nebraska is four and eight overall. So. You see some teams are struggling. Some teams are doing all right. That's kind of what the conference standings show you. Uh, let's move on to uh, tonight's action uh, we had in the Big East. Uh, we had uh, Connecticut getting it done. Actually, taking a, taking a well, we have another upset loss here. Sorry, guys. Uh, number 23, Connecticut goes down to unranked St. John's, of course. Conference play will do this. Uh, Seventy to seventy-four was the final score here. Uh, St. John moves to eight and seven. Connecticut is seven and two. Uh, for St. John's, they were led by guard Posh Alexander. Eighteen points from him, seven assists, four rebounds. Forward Marcellus Erlington would have fifteen points and five rebounds. For Connecticut, they were led by guard R.J. Cole. Uh, eighteen points, five assists, and three rebounds. And guard Tyrese Martin would have fourteen points, six rebounds, and two assists. Also, we had a, a Big Twelve matchup between number nine Kansas and number two Baylor. I mentioned it before, uh, but Kansas gets a W in this one, sixty-nine. Sorry. Not Kansas. Baylor gets the win in this one. 69 to 77 was the final score. Ba uh, Kansas is 10 and 4. Baylor remains undefeated at 13 and 0. For Kansas, they were led by guard Christian Brown. Sorry, Christian Braun. 17 points from him, four rebounds. I believe Braun is actually Brown in a in a I believe one of those European. I think that's that's uh yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's where the, the name Brown comes from, y'all. I got it right anyways. Technically, I'm going into another place. Don't listen to me, y'all. I'm sorry. I like to talk about the history of words sometimes. Don't. Anyways, back to basketball. Ochai Ogjabi, uh, 16 points in him, two rebounds. For Baylor, they were led by guard Fred Butler. Uh, not my, not of relation to me, unfortunately. I never met this guy. No, <laughs> no, no, I'm just playing. I'm messing around, y'all. 30 points from him, 8 rebounds. Really good game, though. Uh, guard Macy Oteague would have 13 points. Um, and guard Davion Mitchell would have 10 points and 3 assists. Uh, let's move on to the new top 25. Not so much different than what we've been seeing. Uh, one new addition with UCLA, though. At number 25, we have St. Louis at 7-1. and one. Uh, UCLA, we brought them up before 11-2. and two. Connecticut just took their second loss of the year. They are currently 7-2. and two. Uh, Illinois is still in the mix at 9-5. and five. Oregon is at number 21 at 9-2. and two. At number 20, we have Clemson at 9-2 and two as well. At number 19, we have Missouri at 8-2. and two. At number 7, uh, sorry, at number 18, we had the Alabama Crimson Tide, 11-3. and three. Um, They call Alabama the Crimson Tide. Call me Deacon Blues, y'all. At number 17, we have Minnesota, 11-4. 16, we have Virginia Tech at 11-2. At number 15, we have Ohio State. They are 11-3. At number 14, we have West Virginia. Uh, we have um, number 13, we have Virginia at 9-2. West Virginia is 9-4. At number 12, we have Texas Tech. They are 11-4. At number 11, we have Creighton. They are 10-3. 
moved down a few spots in second that loss uh, over the weekend. At number 10, we have Wisconsin, who was 11-3. and At number 9, we have Kansas, who was 10-3. At number 8, we have Houston at 11-1. and At number 7, we have Michigan at 11-1 and as well. At number 6, we have 10-1 Tennessee. At number 5, we have 11-2 Texas. We have at number four, Iowa at 12 and two. At number three, we have Villanova at eight and one. And rounding out the top two, of course, Baylor and Gonzaga, both undefeated. Gonzaga is 14 and 0, Baylor 13 and 0. And this is the first time, this is a fun fact here for you guys. This is the first time since 1961 that Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky have not been in the same, in the top 25 at the same time. Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky, all national powerhouses. Each of these teams have competed um, and won national championships since before I was born, since I've been alive, so on and so forth. So to not see this happen, again, this is weird for me as well. Again, this has not happened since 1961. Go freaking figure. All right, y'all. Let's get into some NBA shit, though. Yeah, y'all, let's wrap this up for tonight. Um, let's start off with some news. Uh, Karis LeVert, uh, he recently was traded to the Pacers, of course, in that blockbuster, quote-unquote, James Harden trade. Uh, but there seems to be some issues with him. Uh, a recent MRI revealed uh, that he, well, there was a small lump found on his left kidney. Um, and he will be out indefinitely until this is all resolved. However, um, the Pacers are confident in his return. I don't know if that's going to be this season. I more than likely it's probably going to be next season, uh, just because it just seems kind of serious. I don't. I mean, again, I don't know nothing about you know lumps on kidneys, but it seems kind of serious to me. I mean, it's going to require surgery. I mean, so again, he. I mean, he probably will be. But he might be back at some point this year. That's what the Pacers are saying. Uh, but this year he was averaging eighteen and a half points a game on six assists. Again, it's a little bit unfortunate. I don't know how this, you know, developed. Uh, but Karis LeVert, you know, promising shooting guard. He's going to be missing some time. And this is right after the trade, too. So I think it kind of sucks for the Pacers because, again, you know, <laughs> that that was their, you know, that was their trade piece. So uh, speaking of, you know, the trade, Harden made his appearance for the for Brooklyn last Saturday. And um, he had a night. He had a decent night, 30-point triple-double. Uh, he had a. Uh, 32 points to be exact, 14 assists, and also 12 rebounds. Uh, the Nets would win. The, sorry, the Nets would win by five against Orlando. It was a pretty close game versus Orlando. Um, you know, not to be outdone, KD would score a team high 42 points. Uh, the 74 points are the most the two have ever combined for. Of course, they used to play together in OKC. Whoop de doo. Uh, fortunate assist from James Harden set the franchise record as well for most in a player's first game for the Nets. So, franchise records, I guess that's an achievement. Um, in the first game, in debut games, I didn't know we were, I didn't know we put so much on debut games that the players get traded and shit. Like, that was, all, oh, I mean, that's so important. Like, they're trying so hard to make this trade, like, super relevant and super important. We'll see. I mean, again, I still don't have them as my favorite. Uh, of course, Kyrie was out of that game due to COVID, you know, COVID protocols, um, and he was out tonight's game as well. I mean, I'm not buying it. I mean, they got a decent win against an Orlando team that's in the bottom of the league, right, bottom of the conference right now. You know, they they lost like four or five games in a row, had to beat them by five. 
uh, you know, hey, good job, guys, I guess. You know, um, again, I think the media is really trying to push this trade more than what it is. I, I'm not, I, I mean, I've, I've seen all these players choke uh, with the exception of maybe KD. Um, and you can say Kyrie, he came up clutch with that one shot. But then I'm going to tell you, okay, what about all those years in Cleveland without nobody else? What about all those? What about that year in Boston where he took off and the team decided to do better without him? Um, look at the Nets right now doing good without him. Uh, so I'm not really, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really buying this as some type of monumental trade that's going to shift everything. Um, it just shows that you know players can, you know be babies and cry and moan and complain and not really even be in a position like, you know, like your boy, uh, Deshaun Watson, they should be counting their blessings and not in a situation like somebody like Deshaun Watson, like somebody who's really struggling, somebody who's really been held back by their team, by their franchise. All these guys have been given all their, anything they've ever wanted by every franchise they've ever been with. And they just can't win. <laughs> with the, like again, with the exception of KD, they can't win. So I'm not buying James Harden. I'm not. You know, he could make all this, the he could make all the excuses about why Houston didn't do this for him or what Houston didn't do. Uh, they gave you Chris Paul and you sucked. They gave you every type, every player you wanted and you didn't perform. You know, they gave you Eric Gordon. You couldn't shoot threes. I mean, you <laughs> come on. Anyways, um, well, let's move on to the nice action. Uh, we had a couple games tonight. A few games uh, actually. Uh, we're gonna start off in the Western Conference. Uh, the Jazz getting done against the Nuggets. Uh, sorry, uh, 109 to 105 was the final score here. Uh, the, sorry, the Jazz moved to, moved to nine and four, and the Nuggets are six and seven. Uh, for the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell would lead the way, 18 points from him, seven seven assists, and also uh, three rebounds. Boban Bogdanovich, 17 points, three assists, and three rebounds. And Jordan Clarkson would have 23 points and three three rebounds coming off the bench. Uh, for the Nuggets, um, Nikola Jokic would have 35 points and 14 rebounds, as well as nine assists. Jamal Murray would have uh, 30 points, five rebounds, and four assists. Moving on, uh, we got the Magic getting it done against the Knicks, 84-91. to The Spurs get it done against the Blazers, 125-101. to uh, Up next, we have the the uh, Suns getting it done against the Grizzlies, 104 to 108. The T Wolves take another L here to the Hawks, uh, 108 to 97 is the final score. The Timberwolves are now three and nine. The Hawks are six and seven. D'Angelo Russell will lead the way for the Timberwolves, 31 points, seven assists. He would also have uh, three rebounds. Malik Beasley would have 15 points, five rebounds, and three assists for the Hawks. DeAndre Ru DeAndre Hunter will lead the way from him, lead the way for them. 25 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 assists. Uh, Clint Capella would have 23 points, 15 rebounds, and 2 assists. And Trey Young would have uh, 20 points. He would also have 3 assists. Sorry, 13 assists and 8 rebounds. Uh, moving on, we got the Jets. Uh, sorry, the Jets. Golly. The Nets. Getting it done against the Bucks, 125-123. to 123. Uh, the Nets are now nine and six. The Bucks are nine and five. Uh, for the Bucks, Giannis, of course, will lead the way. Uh, Thirty-four points from him, twelve rebounds and seven assists. Chris Middleton, um, I guess he wanted to take the last lash out of the game. Didn't work for him. Outside of that, he would have twenty-five points, four assists, and four rebounds. And Drew Holiday will put up twenty-two points, six assists, and also four rebounds for the Nets. James Harden, James Harden, of course, uh, in the mix, thirty-four points, twelve assists, and six rebounds. Uh, not so much different from what he was doing in Houston in the regular season. Uh, the question is, can he perform in the playoffs? I don't care about what he does on a night like tonight because I know 
come May, he's going to be missing all his three-pointers. Anyways, Joe Harris would have 20 points and six rebounds. Uh, moving on, we had the Mavericks. 93-16 uh, to 16, uh, was the final score. They lost to the Raptors. Um, the Heat, they get a win over the Pistons, 113-107. to 107. The Bulls, they get it done against the Rockets, 125-120. to 120. That's two wins in a row uh, for your boys over there. I'm very surprised. Two two wins in a row for the Bulls. Good job. You still probably ain't going to do shit this year. Uh, moving on, the final score tonight, the Warriors get it done against the Lakers, 115-113. to 113. Uh, The Warriors are 7-6. The Lakers are 11-4. I will tell you this, though. A pretty decent game from the Warriors. A good win from them uh, to maintain a winning record. I'm going to give them some props tonight. Stephen Curry will have 26 points. He would also have uh, 7 assists. Kelly Oubre would have 23 points and 4 rebounds. Eric Pascal, uh, 19 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists. And Andrew Wiggins would have uh, 18 points and 3 assists. Now, for the Lakers, Dennis Schroeder will lead the way with 25 points. That probably was their problem tonight. Three assists and five rebounds. LeBron would have 19 points and five assists as well as five rebounds. And AD and Montrez Harrell, 17 points. Sorry, yes, yeah, 17 points each. AD would have 17 rebounds. And Harrell would have eight rebounds to his totals. All right, y'all, before I let y'all go, we're going to take a quick look at the standings. Uh, next time I'm bringing up the standings, I'll go a little bit deeper. We're going to talk about you know a couple of teams in each of these conferences a little bit as we break the standings down. But for now, we're just going to break down the record. So uh, starting off in the Eastern Conference, we have the Celtics here at 8-4. and four. The Bucks are 9-5. and five. The Sixers are 9-5 and five as well. The Pacers are 8-5. and five. The Nets are 9-6. and six. The Knicks are up next. They are at 7-8. and eight. The Cavs and the, sorry, the Cavs and the Hawks ring out the bottom of the East. The Cavs are 6-7. The Hawks are 6-7 as well. I'm only going to do the top eight spots, of course. Okay, I'm not going to go through all 16 teams in these conferences. That's a waste of time. For the West, we have the Lakers on top. 11-3 is their current record. Clippers are 10-4. The Jazz are 9-4. The Suns are 7-5. The Spurs are 8-5 as well as the Blazers. And round off the bottom in the West, you have the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Uh, they are both 7-6 as well. All right, y'all, I'm calling a wrap for today. Later on in the week, uh, I got some more college basketball for you. We are in the midst of that. I do have some baseball news for you, some offseason news. Uh, of course, we'll be breaking down the conference championships for the NFL. Um, as far as, oh, yeah, we had the inauguration this week for Joe Biden. So we got to talk about that. I do have my special reports on all the Houston teams. So I got my special report. I'm working on that. Um, I'm going to be putting that on YouTube in a few days. Check out that. Okay, guys, if you need to get in touch with me, um, you can follow me on Instagram at ljamah791. That is E-L-J-A-M-A-H-791. Once again, that is ljamah791, E-L-J-A-M-A-H-791. You can also check out the, the Facebook page as well, Never Out of Bounds. And then also, uh, I, have a, I have a YouTube. Okay, guys, you know, do me a favor. Subscribe, like it, give me a shout out. Look at it, you know, or just watch the video, something. Show my brother some support. I'm hot. I'm trying. I'm grinding hard out here. I got a lot of work to do, y'all. So I'm going to call the raffle tonight. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll holler at you guys later.